Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. I think I know everybody in the house. Uh, so if you're fresh today, I think I've already met you at least for a few moments. I'm Tom Hypes. I'm the pastor here at the church. We're thrilled that you're here. And we are digging back into a study. And if you're not here every week, it's okay. They're all kind of standalones, but they also build on top of each other. So if you want to go deeper, make sure you touch base. We'll let you know how to find those past past studies. But we've been studying the life of Christ for several months now, uh, and we are in a place where we have been going through the Sermon of the Mount, probably the, the longest uh, sermon that we have captured of Jesus's during that time. Uh, so if you guys would, we're going to go right back into that. Let's go ahead and get our Bibles out. We'll go to Matthew 6. If you do not have a Bible, there's Bibles in the baskets underneath the chairs around the room that you can use or keep or borrow still, whatever you need to do. And then also a lot of folks, uh, if you see them on their phones or tablets, there's a uh, app called YouVersion that we use that has all the scriptures there. Um, so if you see them on tablets, still look over the shoulder, make sure it's not solitaire or something like that. But <laughs> we'll, we'll make sure everybody's using it the way they're supposed to be doing. But we're going to go back into this section. And again, we've been talking about those three main sections when it comes to some of them out. And this block of the third section all kind of comes together uh, with these next two studies. We have been talking about, or Jesus has been teaching about having the full life that we can have in him, the full freedom that we can have in him. Freedom from the way that the world thinks, freedom from our culture, freedom from addiction, freedom from uh, the lifestyle that's, not, uh, that's constantly shifting or constantly scamming or whatever the case may be or trying to make things work. We have a freedom through that, through Jesus Christ, if we so choose. For those who accept Jesus as leader and forgiver in their life, by acknowledging with their mouth he's the Son of God, you're God, I'm not, taken, believe that he died and rose again, I accept that forgiveness that he offers to me, and I'm now going to follow you. I'm not going to continue to try to do my own game here, but I'm following you to become the creation that you created me to be, to, fo- to find the purpose of my life that you've created for me, that if we have that kind of freedom and that kind of search, that that's a different life that he's been teaching to us. And so he's been talking to us about how generosity opens that door. He talks about how prayer and going deeper into how we pray can open that door. Last week we talked about fasting and the lost art and beauty that he expects us to be leaning into of fasting, of taking prayer to a whole nother level where it's kind of like having daddy-son night with Jesus or daddy-daughter night with Jesus when we want to go deeper and further into it. He's talking about all these different ways that we can unlock freedom in our lives. But then all of a sudden he does this, this switch and he's going to talk in the next two studies about some of the biggest things that keep us from having that freedom. The, the, the biggest things that keep us back into a lower bar way of living that the world has for us. So we're going to tackle the first one today uh, as we dig into, let's see, 19, I guess is where we're going to be. And he's going to start talking about, and, and it's kind of hard to just put a title on it, but overall he's talking about money. That, that, that's one of the biggest things that trips us up. It's one of the biggest things that leads us back into struggle 
uh, into, into darkness. Uh, that also translates to how we treat our stuff. It also translates on the decisions we make around stuff and uh, in our lives and how we spend our money, if we don't have enough money. But the, the argument I'm going to make today, or I think Jesus is actually making, um, that you may or may not agree with at the beginning, but my hope is by the end I've sold you on it, uh, is that the problem when it comes to finances and tripping us up into this, this bondage area is not really about money. It's about our attitude towards money. Um, and, and I walk somewhat sensitive because I've had times in my life when I have been broke, I mean like dead broke, phone calls come in trying to figure out, two times that I've never really been rich, but we've had time where we've been comfortable, and it's nice when it's comfortable over the broke, but what we're going to be talking about today impacts all of us, no matter how much money you have or don't have. No matter how many bills you have or bills that you don't have. It, it, this is our attitude about money that we're going to be digging into. So if we start talking about some of the big things that we have covered. I mean, Jesus has already talked about finances three times in this particular sermon. Um, so if we're talking about tithing and offering, if we're talking about generosity, if we're talking about stewardship and how we manage the funds that he gives to us, uh, if, if we, we talk about anything within this ballpark, it's all going to come back to our attitude and how we handle those things. So we're going to talk about it with the usual style, read a little, talk a little. Uh, there is so much packed into this, I will not cover it all. Um, so you might have like your favorite points from it, email them to me, we'll share them around. But uh, there's a particular focus I think we're going to lean in today as we start to read in verse 19. We, Jesus says, commands, teaches, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For you, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Okay, so we'll start here for a little bit, and we're going to kind of focus on this a little bit. When I think we hear, as I know I'm, most of you guys pretty well, and I, I know your hearts would not, when we hear, don't, you know, build up all your stuff here in heaven, invest in the king, over here on earth, and invest into the kingdom of heaven, I think we generally have a heart for that. I think, you know, we're generally there. The problem is, I think it's so ingrained in us uh, culture-wise, maybe America-wise, whatever case would be, on how we handle money that we mess up in areas that we don't realize we're messing up in because what we're messing up in is just normal. It's just normal. Uh, I know I talk a lot about the American dream here. I, I love my country. I would die for my country. I, I'm proud to be an American, thrilled to be an American. Uh, I hope you are too, but it is uh, secondary to being a Christian. To, to me, biblically it should be, um, the, the things that America is all about is secondary to the scripture, to me. It all has to come under submission. And we are taught, at least we're, in my generation, and I, I still believe today, that we're raised with this American dream mentality that does have to come up again here in this particular study. That we're taught you're supposed to, you know, get older and take and get an education and get married and have kids and have a house and a picket fence and you know, two and a half kids and, you know, all the things you're supposed to have that you're supposed to build out to be successful and then have a good, you know, a couple cars in the garage and a, a nice boat and have a retirement so that you can t provide for yourself in your retirement years. These, these are, what's that, cats and dogs? Cats and dogs. Do cats? 
Uh, cats? Well, I mean, you, you might get hungry sometime, but the, uh, I know that's an old joke. No one likes that joke. No one likes that joke. No. You've been here a long time. You should expect that from me. I'm kidding. I'm, that would be so gross without barbecue sauce. The, um, but we're, we're raised with that kind of mentality, and so I really do believe in the, the, the church as a whole uh, across this nation, we kind of get to this point of, okay, we're supposed to invest into the kingdom and we, we, with what God gives to us, and we kind of get to this American dream ball that we say, yes, of course I'm going to do that, you know, after I get this, or with whatever I have left over from this. And what we find is a lot of times we end up not having anything to invest into the kingdom or that we do it poorly, um, because of the financial strains that we, we get ourselves into. So we really have to be able to look at these type of things and see how those things come into place and what we're investing into the kingdom. So, it's, and again, these things are not bad, but it's a bad placement. It's an, it's an idol issue. So I'm going to give you a couple things to, to bullet point down since some people like taking notes. Um, and, and I think will help us a little bit. And I think the first thing we really got to get our heads around is the, just what Jesus said, things perish. Things perish. Everything comes, everything goes. Um, we, it, it was, we were watching a movie the other night. It's uh, Jerry and Marge Go Large. Has anybody seen that yet? I think it was on Paramount. It's Paramount stream. I don't think it's Peacock. I confused the two. Uh, it's pretty good. The guy that was in Breaking Bad, what's his name, Brian, something or other. He was off Malcolm. Yeah, Malcolm Middle. He's the, he's the husband in it. Uh, wife is uh, Annette Benning. I like her quite a bit. And so a couple of older actors, as far as Hollywood's concerned, the people in the 60s, and it's a true story of a couple out of Michigan uh, about 15 years ago. He's a kind of a mathematician type guy, doesn't really connect with people too well, but he, he really gets math. And uh, he found a uh, loophole in one of the lotteries that were there. And this long story short is um, they started working that loophole, which wasn't illegal, but he just knew more than what their mathematicians were, and he knew if I bet this way this much, I'm going to get this much back, and over time, won $27 million. And um, with that, he also took a lot of his friends with him, because they were living in a town that was very impoverished, uh, took the town with him, started a fund to be able to give back into the town. Uh, and it's a really interesting story about some of the challenges he came up to and, and, and everything else that happened within it before it you know, came to an end. And one of the things that was, I think, the smartest thing, as much as he was supposed to be a genius, the smartest thing he said to him at the beginning was, this will not last. Do not count on this money. When you push against something, it's just scientific that it will eventually push back. And so when they came to an end, there was no like, oh my gosh, how am I going to live now? They, it was the benefits of what was given to them and entrusted to them, but they knew it wasn't going to last. They knew it wasn't the end game of things. And it was a really interesting story. If you, ha if you have it, make sure you check out because it's pretty funny too, some of the stuff that they have within that. But things perish, and sometimes we forget about that again, American Dream-wise. Uh, you know, people uh, have a, a desire to get to get married, like there's something missing within their lives, and I don't down that. Uh, I've got a, a friend who we talk about that often, but no, we do. We do. That's, a, that's a topic for us, and not, not just in her life or my life, but just in general and how we feel about singleness and marriage within the church and what the Bible has to say. It's a common topic for us because it's such an, a passionate one, such an emotional one, such a big need. But so many people get married 
and it's not what they expected it to be because it's not the American dream version and they start to drift apart and they don't want to put the work in to be able to make that marriage work or they start having struggles, they have different views, they didn't marry somebody who had the same priorities that they do and so when things start to struggle then you go to the next thing on the list and you think, hey we'll have a baby, that will fix everything. You know, and so the next thing you have different parenting styles and you can't sleep at night and the kid's puking on everything. You know what I mean? Like uh, everything perishes. Everything goes forward from that place, whatever it may be. Uh, college fund, I know people that have saved college fund for their entire child's life. Uh, the, the, and, and more than once, kid goes to school for a year, spends thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000 of that fund. So it's just not for them. They quit. They move on with life and they're stuck kind of holding the bag. Those things perish. Um, utility bill cycle of stress, that's what I call it. Uh, when you don't have money for the electric bill, and you're praying, God, help me, help me, help me, help me, help me, and all of a sudden you, you find that provision, you're like, yes, God, you are so good, you are so great, and you pay the phone bill, and you send it out, and the next day the gas bill shows up, and you're like, ah, oh, you're back to it again, right? I mean, there's just everything continues to fall out from underneath your feet when it comes to, to finances. Uh, my favorite one is whenever we buy uh, technology uh, on a credit card, you get the latest iPod or the latest iPhone, and you get the latest computer, and you put it on your credit card, and five years later, you can't sell that thing for 50 cents at a yard sale, but you're still paying for it. It all perishes. It all it just has its, its certain value. So we want to make sure we don't get in the low end of bondage, but the high end when we invest into the kingdom. I have a scripture for you. I'm going to get Chris's help in this in Luke chapter 4, uh, verses 18 through 19. It's not about finances, but it is about the mentality of the children of God. And uh, I want to read it to you, and then I want to see if we can apply it a little bit when it comes to uh, the way that we handle our, our finances, the way we look at our finances. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus speaking. Because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who were oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And we'll go ahead and leave that out for a few minutes, Chris. Um, and I, I read that, and it's a very great commission. It's very much like the great commandment, that we are to lead people to the Lord, baptize them, teach one another to obey everything he's commanded so that we can have this, the, the freedom and have, have this in our life. But as that impacts every of our lives, I, I look at that from the standpoint of my, how I treat my finances, how I look about my finances and my attitude about finances. And that doesn't always match up to how I feel when I don't buy finances, when it comes to stress, or when it comes to not knowing how this particular need is going to be met, or when it comes to um, helping others versus goals that I have in my own life. We, we can easily be pulled into that worldly mentality of things versus this freedom that this is talking about where it says the Spirit of the Lord's on me. He's got me. The prov I mean, the provision is there if I'm going to put it into that aspect of things. He's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He's called me for liberty. He's call, called me to help captives go free. If I looked at that, my, my resources that way, if I looked at my stuff that way, if I looked at my money that way, it's a very, very different mentality when most of the time it's just how far can I make the checkbook stretch to get to the next week. Does that make sense? And, and I've, I've talked about this one before too, but I still, I still, there's something inside me that gets excited when we talk about it. It gets to a point that even if I, I, I'm not uh, have the largest paycheck in the world, um, there's something about when you get 
your finances in the right order and you get your right attitude about your finances, that when you take care of everything, okay, so I pay, paid my tithe and God asked me to be generous here, so I was generous here and I paid my bills and whatnot, and what I have left is five bucks that's not designated for anything. Five bucks. It's exciting to be able to say to God, God, what are we going to do with this five bucks? Why did you give me this five bucks? And some of us in the room are thinking, five bucks? I can't do anything with five bucks. I got five bucks, you know, change on my couch. There's some people in this room that will come to your house today and raid your couch to get that five dollars. Five dollars is a lot of money for a lot of folks. So it's like, uh, does this mean I get to buy popcorn at the movies today, God? Is that what you're blessing me with? Or is this, uh, do I get to help somebody else that, that, that's struggling, that that five dollars, maybe they don't have money for lunch today and I can take them to McDonald's? What can I do with this five dollars? to further the kingdom. That's the mentality when it comes to our finances. And then the trick is to get that at the beginning instead of, okay, I've taken care of this. Now let's see if I got five bucks left. And if not, oh well. It's a completely different freedom. It's a completely different high bar that we are shooting for. It's a very cool place to be able to, to get into. So it's not, you know, what what... Hat do I have to do? But there's an actual great vision within that. Uh, one of the struggles we have within this that he talks about as well. Um, this will be your second point: is we we've got to make sure we have the right focus. I think a lot of times we have the wrong focus. Verse 21 tells us point blank: where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. If you um, your life is a train wreck, you might need to be checking what you're putting your eyes on. Uh, you might need to figure out your vision. Are you just trying to scramble? Are you trying to control or are you trying to follow the Lord? It makes a big, big difference. So make sure that you have the right focus. Uh, so here, here's a little experiment we'll do. I'm not going to, I don't have it on screen. Chris, I am thinking I'm done with that voice. Thank you. Um, but I will say a statement to you. And if you've got paper and pen, write it down. Because uh, it will give you something to focus into for a second. If not, it's not that hard to do mentally. Uh, and if you need help, uh, grab somebody beside you, I guess. Because... I'm sure somebody's going to be able to help you. It's not that hard. You ready? This is the statement. I feel, F-E-E-L, God wants me to blank. I feel God wants me to blank, but I can't afford to. I feel God wants me to blank, but I can't afford to. And then take a moment with the Spirit and write down what fills that blank in for you. You can do it mentally as well. I feel God wants me to blank, but I can't afford to. And again, the big three probably fall into that. I talk to people all the time that want to tithe, but I can't tithe. They just don't have the money. I want to help out with uh, this mission trip or with the youth group on this, and I just, just don't have the money to do it. I want to be generous to other people. It just freaks me out because I've got to get my retirement just in a certain way. Um, I feel God wants me to do a job change. But the job I feel he's leading me to, it just doesn't have the same finances that my current job has. Just don't want to take that step back. Feel like I'm supposed to go on this mission trip, but you know, I, where am I going to get 2,500 bucks to be able to go on that mission trip? What do you what do you put into that? Because it is a really challenging question if you play along, if you let the Holy Spirit put it on your heart. Uh, this week I sent out a post about Melody. I'm making sure I get her name right because I don't know as well as Jenny Melody. Um, who is a young lady who um, is, a, well, she's trained in the, the medical field, had a good job, 
had good money coming in from it, felt God was calling her to, to step off um, and do ministry. So she has stepped off. I think she has two part-time jobs now, both more ministry related. One of them is the, the, uh, the clearinghouse coordinator uh, under Jenny at Love Inc. Uh, and she took a pretty good financial hit for it. And she already had a uh, commitment into a mission trip to Jamaica that is leaving uh, uh, next weekend. And she's been struggling to be able to raise the finances that she needs now that she's had this, this job change. And they, they told her, and this is what she kind of leaned into, was just like, oh, that's okay, you can pay us on the back end. You can pay us on the back end. So uh, I went over and I, I talked with her. Um, and some of the reasons why she was having problems raising finances are the ones that you usually hear. Like, I don't want to ask my friends for money because they're just going to think they're paying for me to have a vacation to Jamaica and I don't want to give the wrong impression off. Or, you know, I just want God to be able to provide. Um, God sometimes sends that check in the mailbox, but it's usually the amazing things he does with the things when we start knocking on doors that create the testimony. When we do little and he does a lot, and there's a lot for us to teach us in those things. And I told her, I understand what you're saying with your friends and whatnot, but that's also something that Satan can put on your heart to, to keep you from it. So we talked about some things. And um, I said, my biggest concern is this. You're being left with a, you can pay for it on the back end when you've already taken so many face steps, you don't have the money on the back end. So we, we need to find God's provision with, within that. Um, and that's why we're matching dollar for dollar for the ha half and half. We're trying to raise uh, $675 uh, in general to... Um, be able to match it as a church so that she would have the full amount that she needs because the thing that within all of that, with all the struggles and the highs and the lows and the valleys and everything else, the thing I just love and respect is she still said yes. If she was answering that question, she could say, I feel like he wants me to go to Jamaica, but I feel like he wants me to quit my job that makes me comfortable, but those are the type of things that we're looking for within our own minds and our own lives to say, I, I, I want to do this, or God wants me to do this, but I don't think I can. And when we find those things, then we start finding the things that we might have in the wrong placement or we're not trusting God with. Now, there's still a place for logic, don't get me wrong, but my logic tells me that God's got me if he's leading me. That's where we're trying to get it to. So knocking on those doors and, and, and doing that process. I know uh, I, I, I encourage, like, if you got something on there, it's like, man, it would be so life-changing to do that. That is so scary. I do encourage you to, to do it once you have confirmation. Uh, but I know for some, maybe sometimes we do baby steps, and you do baby steps, then at least let me encourage you to keep moving to the next baby step. I know people have taken a baby step and stayed there for 15 years. That's not a baby step. That's a sloth. That's a you know a snail barely making it through. That's, I mean, if you, if you say I'm going to, you know, I'm going to tithe someday, but for right now I'm just going to give twenty-five dollars a month, and you've been there for five years, that might be something to be looking at. So making sure that you're not put into a, a, a cave situation. Uh, trying to make it comfortable. We've, we've got to be able to have faith steps, and that takes faith. So here, let, let's go to uh, the third point. That's going to come out of this next section. So let me read this in verse 22. It says, The eye is the lamp of your body. So if the eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? 
How great is that darkness? In other words, if you've accepted Jesus as leader and forgiven your life, and he has taken you from darkness to light, and you choose to go back to darkness through your finances, how dark is that? How dark is that? So the third one, uh, I'll, I'll give you this. I don't know if I have a good, strong way of putting it down, but, but basically it's this. Whatever we put our vision on is what we put our life on. Whatever we put our vision on is what we put our life on. Now, one of the things I think is interesting in this particular section that I didn't get for, until, for probably 10 years, um, until about 10 years ago, is you, did you notice that he said your eye instead of your eyes, which is a little odd to me. And so about 10 years ago, I did a study on it and went back to original language because that's just unique. And usually when you find something unique in the world, there's a reason for that. Um, there's something deeper within that. And in this case, you go back into it and you look at the Greek word, and I'm going to give you the Greek word that he used here for I. It's haplos. H-A-P-L-O-U-S. H-O-P-L-O-U-S. And I'll give you the definition as is easy to see here, and then I'll give you the additional uh, information. But it means single I, okay? So we know that. But one of the things that's beautiful about the Greek is that when you look at it, it's such a beautiful language, an artistic language, that it describes out um, more definitions. And, uh, and I don't know of a single time that I've not looked at the multiple definitions that have not made what Jesus said richer and fuller, and nothing has it ever been contradictory. So let me give you the other definitions for haplos. It also means single, just by itself. It means simple. It means giving of liberty. It means acting in generosity. So single eye, single, simple, giving of liberty, acting in generosity. Here's what I mean by when it's fuller. And this is the reason why I think he used this particular term instead of eyes. You can put those together as this. When my vision is simple and generous, then vision is freeing and liberating. I'll say it again for those who want to write it down. When my vision is simple and generous, then vision is freeing and liberating. If you're still on the fence, because in all honesty, up to this point, if I wanted to be a skeptic and I still wanted to have control of my money instead of giving it in submission to him, uh, I could almost say this could be about almost anything. Uh, verse 24, Jesus says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. He makes it very clear what he's talking about here in very strong terms. Money is not your friend. It's not something that you serve. It's not something that you're devoted to. It is simply a resource that God uses to provide for you and others through you. you can't do both. If you ever had a moment like I have way too many times, if I just had more money, I'd be saved, then there's a problem. You only have one Savior. It's Christ. I mean, I know what I could do with $5,000. Anybody wants to give me $5,000 today, uh, I'll take you to lunch at McDonald's out of the proceeds. But money can't save me. Only my God of provision can save me. Michael, did you say you would? What? Did, no. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'd have to do some math. I might take you up on that. So the question becomes, if I can only serve one and not the other, who am I serving when it comes to those big areas we talk about? My tithes, my generosity, my stewardship, my job, etc. The biggest challenge on something like this when Jesus is talking to us is that we think we can't do it. But the reality is that we don't do it. That's why it's a faith step. That's why it's a challenge. A um, couple moments from my life in this one where I messed up badly and one where uh, God showed up good. Um, but both were not uh, comfortable from a worldly perspective. You know but I'll just bring them just so we have it to the forefront. I'll show you the difference in my own life. Uh, most of you know about the time when I was arrested when I was in my late 20s because I was stealing money from a pizza place I worked at. Um, in all honesty, it wasn't the first place I stole money from. I had a couple jobs before that that taught me how to change my mentality to justify theft, uh, which obviously was not godly. Uh, he tried reaching out to me many times. I continued to refuse him, and finally I got arrested, uh, and I lost everything. I lost you know, my, my car, my girlfriend, my friends, my reputation, I was supposed to be a hypocrite, lost my job, obviously, uh, lost everything. And uh, the reason I did it is because, again, I falsely justified for the things that I wanted or need, thought I needed in my life, my apartment or trip or whatever the case may be. The reason God let me get caught is because I needed laid out. I needed laid out. I needed arrested. I, ne I needed my reputation to be blown. I needed to lose everything to make me look up. Just like Saul on the road to Damascus. He was doing this thing, thought he was doing it for God godly reasons. Needed laid out to look up. God reached out to me many times. I always blew him off. I needed laid out to look up. And I'm telling you, nothing's been the same since. The scariest times for me, for people I love, when they're in those situations, is when they get laid out and they get back up and they do it again. And they get laid out, and they do it again. And they get laid out, and they do it again. What a scary place to be that needs the Lord, that needs help, that needs people to come around you. Because sooner or later, you've got to look up. Sooner or later, you've got to look up. It won't change until you do. But in that case, God had to take his hand off me to let me hurt for me to look up. That's one case scenario. Second case I know is we had a long time ago. It's crazy how long it's been now. We used to have a bookstore called The Shepherd's Nook. The Shepherd's Fellowship grew out of We had it for eight years here in, in town. And the first several years, I, I can't tell you just how uh, profitable it was. I, I, we, we had uh, goals. We, we were blowing them out three or four times what our goals were. Uh, we kept putting it back into the business and the ministry, and we started having community nights. Uh, in the evenings uh, for people that maybe weren't ready to go back to church yet, but they go to the Christian bookstore, uh, start looking at more and more ways to, to, that God was wanting us to, to lead. And, and, and then the last couple of years were, were, were really hard. The economy hit. Most of our customers were older, um, and, and the economy hit them first and hardest and uh, impacted us as well. And quite frankly, a lot of the ministry we were passionate about had moved into the church, and um, really felt that that needed full-time focus. So the Shepherd's Nook became uh, Hope, Hands of Hope, which is downtown, and uh, still going today, 10 years later. And, um, it, but it wasn't an easy transition. There were things that I knew, because I do have quite a bit of business background, there's things I knew I could do at that time that would buy us a couple more years. And maybe the economy would turn around. 
uh, would show profits differently, um, but they weren't necessarily necessarily righteous. Not necessarily illegal, but not necessarily righteous. And the decision was made pretty quickly that we're not doing that because if God closes the shepherd's nook and we take a hit on that, then we want it to be God closing the shepherd's nook and not because he took his hand off it because I was an idiot. And he did close it. Ecclesiastes tells us there's a season for everything. There's, there's a season to live and to die and to sing and to cry and to win the lottery and not win the lottery anymore. There's a season for everything. Everything perishes. And Shepherd's Nook had its role. And I have relationships and I know people and I, uh, we have things that the church, this church would never have happened without that bookstore. It was more than worth it. As long as it was God and not my goofiness that put me in that place. And I can't say I learned that lesson 100%, but I've learned it 90%. And when I mess up the other 10, I got a woman right there ready to smack me upside the head to get me back on the track. If you're going to go through hard times, let Jesus take you and put you there and lead you through it for what you have. Don't put yourself there. It hurts too much, and it hurts the people around you as well. Let me give you this final point, and this is another Greek word for you. When he's talking about money, you can't serve God and money. Here's the original Greek word for that is mammon. It's M-A-M-M-O-N. M-M. No, I'm sorry, M-A-M-M-O-N. It's a passive word, and what it means is that which is entrusted to us. Okay, mammon. That which is entrusted to us. That's where we're supposed to see it. It's not quite how Jesus used it, though. Because he capitalized the M. And this particular word, if you capitalize it, changes its, what, its meaning. Mammon, with the capital M, is an active word, which means that in which man entrusts. That in which man entrusts. It changes from that which is entrusted to us, what God gives to us, and trust us with to that that we entrust. Jesus used the capital M. The question becomes, are you using the capital M when it comes to your money? Or are you using a, a, a lowercase m? It's entrusted to you and you follow. Uh, James Montgomery Boyce, I'll give you this quote. He's a, an author. Uh, he's passed away now, but I like his commentaries quite a bit. And from one of his commentaries on this scripture, uh, he wrote this. He says, Can anything be more insulting to God who redeemed us from the slavery of sin and put us in Christ and given us all things richly to enjoy than to take the name of God upon us to be called by his name and then to demonstrate by every action and by every decision of life that we actually serve money? How dark is that darkness? What did you have in that blank? But what's been on your heart as we continue to speak as the Holy Spirit speaks to you? You got to name it and you got to call it out because we are masters, masters of explaining it away later what the Holy Spirit put on our hearts today. Farmer one time came into his house. He's real excited. The wife was there. She's like, what are you excited about? Because we, we've had a rough year, but today we had two calves born to us, a red one and a white one. We are gifted from God, these two calves, and he goes, I've made the decision that when it comes time to take them to market, we're going to give the proceeds from one calf to God and take the other proceeds to live on for ourselves. She goes, I think that's awesome. I think that's great. Which one's God's calf? Because we've got plenty of time, sweetie. We'll figure it out. It's not a big deal. 
about six months later, the farmer walks into the, the room and says, honey, I got bad news. God's calf died. <laughs> she said, which one's that? Oh, the white one. It was God's from the beginning. We explain stuff away if we don't name it. Name it. Today. Today. And let it be a day of victory together. If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship, 1647 Marion Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.